global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Catherine Cowdery. Stocks are little changed, heading for their best week in nine months and gaining for a fourth straight session. There's optimism about the U.S. economy and about signals from central banks that they'll continue to stave off fallout from Britain's decision to leave the European Union. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg Radio. Dow Industrial Average is up 27 points, an eighth of a percent. It's trading at 17,956. S&P 500 up five points, a quarter percent at 2103. The Nasdaq is up 21 points at nearly half a percent, trading at 4864. West Texas Intermediate crude oil up 83 cents a barrel, 1.7% at 49.16. Spot gold is up $24.20 an ounce at 1344.80. Ten-year treasury up 7.30 seconds with a yield of 1.44%. And updating one of our top stories, local authorities say as many as a group of nine gunmen attacked a restaurant popular with foreigners in a diplomatic zone of the Bangladeshi capital. A U.S. State Department spokesman says that all American citizens that are under the authority of the diplomatic chief of mission in Dhaka have been accounted for and were not involved in the incident. The department is still checking on private American citizens who may have been in the area. And that's the Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you for investing in Europe. And first of all, thanks to Catherine Cowdery. Certainly a lot of people are asking that question after the big Brexit vote. Well, if you are, you're going to want to hear this. Catherine Cowdery is back with today's ETF report. One of last year's most popular ETF trades has become a disappointment in the first half of 2016. That's a word from Todd Rosenbluth, Director of ETF Research at S&P Global Market Intelligence. Europe has been a very poor place to invest uh, in the first half of 2016, and it was even before the, the Brexit vote was, was coming to pass. Rosenbluth takes a look at just how disappointing that trade has been this year. Most European equity ETFs were down, uh, you know, mid, mid single digits, even double digits in the first half of the year because of weakness in the local economy, because of the strengthening of, of the euro. Rosenbluth says there are also some industry groups that have underperformed the broader market. His example, financial shares, as interest rates have remained low. The Financial Select Sector Spider Fund, or XLF, has fallen 4.6% since the start of the year, as the S&P 500 has gained 2.7%. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. A week ago, stocks were plunging in the U.S. and around the world after the U.K. voted to leave the European Union. A week later, uh, the stock market capping off four days of gains. No, not quite as big as earlier in the week, but seems on a much sounder footing. The S&P 500 getting back around the 2100 level. Where do we go from here? Is this just a temporary bounce back or have stocks weathered a storm? And are they ready to focus once again on U.S. and global fundamentals and maybe make some gains? Well, let's put that question to our next guest, David Kudla. He is CEO and Chief Investment Strategist at Mainstay Capital Management, and he's joining us from Michigan. Dave, welcome back. Good afternoon, Kathleen. So the dust has settled on Brexit. Is it time to just say, well, we'll put that on a on a very back burner and look at something else now for stocks? You know, it may seem that way. Uh, we, if you look back over the past week, uh, we had the big the big drawdown on Friday and Monday, and we've recovered about 90%, 80 90%, depending on the index. But the real impact of Brexit, which we think is much more severe for 
Europe and specifically the U.K. Um, has months and years to play out. The impact on the U.S. we always expected to be uh, small, uh, almost negligible anyway, except how it might affect some of our exporters if European economy uh, does slow further because of it and U.K. potentially even go into recession second part of uh, this year. Well, apart from the stock side of it and how companies are going to do, seems to me we have to also look at the bond market because the the impact of Brexit on the bond market potentially is somewhat more lasting. We've had the drop in the 30-year bond now to uh, the lowest yield ever. We've got uh, the ECB talking about buying more bonds, in a sense, even lesser quality bonds, I guess you'd say. Spanish bonds are rallying on. This big drop in bond yields around the U.S. and in, in the world, what does that mean for investors? And again, Dave, is it something that's going to persist long after uh, the dust settles on the fallout from the stock market? Yeah, we think that uh, yields are low and are going to be low and even lower. If we look at what's happening, you know, it's not even as much about the Fed when we get out on the intermediate term and long, uh, the long end of the curve. We have in Japan, uh, their massive quantitative easing program. In Europe, their massive quantitative easing program that will probably become more massive with, uh, the ECB looking at how do they compensate for the adverse impact of Brexit on the UK. So we see these yields that went low to zero and even negative. Uh, $12 trillion in sovereign debt with a negative yield globally. And so when we look at our 10-year, our 10-year at when it was at 1.3784% this morning, that record low, still looks attractive compared to uh, sovereign debt around the world that's, that's a lot lower or even negative. Now, when it comes to the... Uh global impact then, is it mainly focused in the U.K.? Would you say, eh, you know, don't don't really bother unless you want to find individual shining stars in the U.K.? Just avoid the U.K. for now, but the rest of the world looks okay to you? I would, I would avoid all of Europe for now. I would avoid in the U.K. There may be mega cap stocks that do well because of the currency falling in value so much. Uh, the multinational conglomerates are exporters from the U.K., but overall, uh, you know, we, we heard Carney come out, uh, the Bank of England governor, and talk about uh, really reversing course. You know, six months ago, ten months ago, uh, England, like the U.S., were looking at when they would tighten monetary policy. They are now going to reverse course to, to uh, uh, try to abate the, the negative impacts of Brexit. The U.K. in general is going to be dealing with the impact of Brexit. Japan, uh, we've, we've stayed away from for a while. We really think that in, in general, for international diversification for investors, avoid developed markets, avoid Europe, avoid Japan. Look to emerging markets. That's where we believe the opportunity is now. Uh, auto companies, the big three reported, and you have a lot of uh, clients, of course, who worked in the auto industry over the years. Um, the question, of course, have auto sales peaked after a very strong 2015? Would you invest in any, in any of the big three or any of the big global auto companies? We're neutral on the automakers at this point. Uh, we think that in this sales cycle, sales will remain strong. We're on track for 17 million vehicles still in 2016 in the U.S., in 20, 17 million plus uh, units. But sales have plateaued, and we're neutral on the automakers at this point. Uh, Ford had a, had a good June sales month. GM had a great first half, uh, their best first half with 5% sales growth best in a decade, but we're at that peak in the cycle.
sales have plateaued, so we're neutral on the, on the automakers from here. So, Dave, let's look at some things that you are positive on, and okay. let's start with the Fidelity New Markets Income Fund. What is it, and why do you like it? Okay, so Fidelity New Markets Income, uh, this is a Fidelity fund that's been managed by John Carlson for more than 20 years, uh, and he's done a great job with it. It essentially invests in emerging market debt, and as we talked about with low yields around the world, with the concern about the, you know, the same concerns about the economy in Europe, the economy here, uh, so we have those concerns about junk bonds, distressed debt, typical high yield debt. We can go to emerging markets debt as a place to get that high yield. New markets income, fidelity new markets income yields about six percent. Uh, with all this easy money policy driving rates down, people seeking yield are going to a fund like this. The other thing that's interesting, this fund is available in a lot of 401k plans. We just talked about General Motors. Uh, it's our top holding in our growth portfolios. Opportunistically, uh, the fund is up 12% this year, certainly outperforming a lot of the equity funds and doing it with about two-thirds of the level of uh, volatility of those funds over time. Now, you're getting increasingly positive on emerging market equities. I think there's a lot of people who are wondering if they should jump on that bandwagon. If they want to do that, first of all, why and what do you recommend buying? Well, with uh, the easy money policy, we know that emerging markets, a lot of emerging market countries, especially those with current account deficits, live and die for capital flows. Uh, money will get even easier in Europe. It will continue to be so in Japan. We now think the Fed is on hold probably through the end of this year, which is a lot different outlook than many people had at the beginning of the year, but we're facing the reality of, of these global worries. So uh, that makes uh, that's good for emerging market equities, and uh, we expect that emerging market equities to be top performers this year. Gold, what do you like there? Well, with the... Uh, again, the, the, the uncertainty we have in the markets, and if you take uh, last Friday when we had the U.S. market, depending on the index, down 35 to, to 5%, uh, Japan down 8%, Europe down more than 8% that day, uh, gold, gold bullion, GLD, was up 4.5%. And so we get that low correlation with stocks and bonds and even a negative correlation at times so we can help diversify our portfolio. And again, with yields so low, and we know gold is a, is a speculative investment. It has no dividend yield. It has no P.E. ratio. But we consider it a, a store of value and a diversifier in our portfolio. When bonds aren't providing much of a yield, it doesn't feel as, as, as bad. It doesn't hurt as much to hold gold that has no yield, except I have metal in my hand rather than a <laughs> piece of paper. Dave Kula, thanks so much. Have a great Fourth of July weekend. You too. Thank you, Kathleen. Founder, CEO, and Chief Investment Strategist at Mainstay Capital Management in Troy, Michigan, with some $2 billion of assets under management. I'm Kathleen Hayes, my co-host Pim Fox, on vacation this week. We'll be greeting him back on Tuesday. This is Taking Stock. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.